0: Hello and welcome, this is the Bits vs. Byte podcast, I'm your host, Ama Grigic, and today my guest is uh, Pate Snakes. Hello, Hello. Pete. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, Pate is an old uh, colleague of mine uh, at Mirabeau, which was one of the podcasts we already had, but I uh, still wanted to talk to Pate because uh, he has—he uh, always has some kind of insight into uh, some kind of thing or whatever, but uh, yeah. it's uh, its cool to have you here, Pate.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, lovely to be here.
0: Yeah. And uh, you're a, a listener of the podcast, which is cool to me. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. It's uh, it's become uh, quite a list of uh, entrepreneurs and technologists and uh, people thinking differently. I like it.
0: Yeah. So... I would like to start off with uh, the question I always start off with, uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit about you. So could you tell a little bit about your background and uh, what you're doing right now and uh, uh, what you do at Mirabeau?
1: Yeah, Um, I am called a creative consultant, which is a very silly name for somebody that brings positive change through digital services and technology. What I basically do is try to realign or align uh, the relationship between uh, clients and Companies and to make sure that's a sustainable and valuable relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, we kind of like uh, try to create um, an environment for people to just do their thing, right? Add some ease, uh, but also create some value, make sure people experience uh, the value of a company. Um, And also, uh, we try to do that in a human centered design way. And that's uh, that's my core business, try to empathize with uh, the end user or with people in their larger contexts and uh, make sure uh, companies also start thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most of the time at this moment, uh, our products are digital services and digital products uh, in this broad sense, so it's in a business sense. Um, so we kind of like introduce Uh, a digital thing like a website, app, whatever. And we translate that also towards the company. So the company also changes a little bit Mm -hmm. to make sure this new dynamic online also is uh, uh, backed up by the company itself.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, to to the listeners, we're going to go all over the place in this yes. podcast. <laughs> yes. This is a little bit different than I usually do. So yeah. uh, you mentioned human-centered design. I think that's a good place to start off. Sure. Um, and that's uh, also one of the questions uh, I want to ask you. So... Um, can you explain that concept? Because yeah. that uh, that doesn't come well. It's coming up right now, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think a lot of people know what it actually means. So could you uh, explain that a little bit?
1: Yes, I can. Um, so most of the pe- most people already heard of design thinking. So this is a method to make sure you uh, uh, go through a couple of phases and a couple of exercises to actually. Uh, build a product, uh, build a service, or build an idea or a concept, or uh, whatever kind of thing you want to develop. And this is basically like a method, right? And it's got all kinds of tools to make sure you uh, get into the creative mindset, but also create something value, uh, also check some balances and stuff like that. It's really neat. toolkit, if you will. So human-centered design is kind of like inside of that, like an extra uh, tool set to make sure you also not only create something valuable and something easy to use, but also create something that empathizes with uh, the needs of people. Mm -hmm. And one of my uh, aha moments for me was to not only think of people like, for example, uh, let's say you make an app or you're building an app as a company that you don't say, okay, this is a person holding a phone. So I'm holding a phone right now and looking at the screen, but also saying, okay, this person is standing in the Albert Heijn, Mm -hmm. uh, like in the supermarket with their phone in the line to pay for their groceries. And they're also having their kids that tries to play around with the dog of the neighbor, and it's making a lot of noise. So all that context, and all of a sudden there's a call coming in from uh, from your husband or from your girlfriend, and uh, he needs to know something. So all that context Mm -hmm. is combined into how you should use that specific product, in this case, the app. So your app should, and building the app should take that context into account to optimize Uh, how people see the the app, like is this a crucial part of your daily life or is it just something you do uh, as a side uh, activity? Mm. Um, And that's basically human-centered design is basically doing uh, research, vigorous research with real people like your garden variety people that that do play around, that are distracted, that are bored, that are annoyed, uh, but also are happy and are prone to be curious. Um, that you design for them and ask them questions. So not propose uh, an ID like, do you like this app? But so what's happening in your life? Mm. What, is, what are the things you find uh, nice in your life? What are the things that are um, less appealing for you? Mm. You start thinking about, so how is our products having a, a little place, a little nest in the life of, of people?
0: Yeah. And that's the, the, uh, that's actually where it, it, it is kind of a continuation of the thing that we do. So we, we, uh, we create good UX right now, or yeah. at least uh, people are trying to do that. Yeah. And we, uh, we talked a little bit about that before we started. Uh, that we're kind of at the tail end of that, right? So we're yeah. kind of at the tail end of making good interfaces yes. and actually trying to get a new value. Is, is that something that that human-centered design go as a continuation of UX or? H- yeah,
1: definitely. That? It's it's a, it's a new awareness, if you will. Mm. Uh, that, that we we reached peak UX right we we got all the patterns down. we know how to design for mobile phones for big devices, small devices uh, uh, but we forgot, so we can we know how people place their thumb on buttons and stuff like that. and uh, nowadays, we even know how to talk to robots, uh, like those little talking faces on our uh in our living rooms. Um, but we still haven't nailed down what this thing or your service what kind of role it plays into the lives of people Mm. it's just know some at some point somebody has the tendency to talk to you and all of a sudden you start your client company relationship um so by applying the beginner's mindset, right? So just uh, uh, put away all the assumptions you have as a company towards your clients and start all over again, see what kind of opportunities there are. Uh, you can basically rebuild uh, your uh, business as a core, rather than just the facade of your business, which is the app and the UX, uh, basically.
0: Mm, yeah, and that's that's something that um, uh, you mentioned voice in there uh, as well. And yeah. that's something that uh, I've noticed as well, is that uh, I've talked to this a, a few times on the podcast as well, is that uh, that kind of voice trend, or actually people using kind of voice interfaces is... Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, or in many cases from, from my perspective, it's still a gimmick, right? It's still yeah. uh, not adding the actual value that uh, people want it to add, right?
1: Well, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's basically Google, Amazon, and uh, Apple doing research. Mm. Uh, they're trying to find, uh, basically they're elbowing themselves into your living room because they want to be there, so they're giving things for free right? Uh, the, the, the hardware is uh, very cheap, uh, except for Apple, because they make money with hardware. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, you laugh, but, it, yeah, it's, it's but true, you, can, yeah. you can really tell the business model behind it. Uh, so what kind of things they want to reach? For example, uh, Google, they want to uh, make money with ads at this point in time. Right, They have now the Alphabet uh, company, yep. so they're diverging definitely. Uh, but let's say uh, the Google Home uh, part or the little hockey puck, it's making money by uh, getting relevant information from you, make sure to learn what kind of needs you have and what kind of behavior you show through audio in this case, and uh, try to cater to those needs. Um, and in this case, it's basically connecting you to, to companies that uh, detract value from interacting with you. Yeah. Uh, so providing services, providing audio entertainment, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but this is, at this moment, very awkward. Yeah, Because as I tend to say to people, uh, at the moment when you're talking to a like it's a, t- a talking vase, as i call them <laughs> um, the amazon echo, <laughs> yeah, or, the amazon google echo or, the, or the google uh, uh the google devices it's it's um very awkward it's like talking to a divorced couple yeah. right it's like uh, jeroen could you ask saskia to uh, bring uh passover to salt and that's Sus- not how someone talks. Says, <laughs> Hello, this is saskia Yes, I will give you the salt. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and then you say, Jeroen, stop. Make sure Saskia stops talking now." It's, it's really awkward, mm. and so this is something that we uh, need to get used. Uh, yeah, we need to get used on how we should interact with those services. Mm. And the other very interesting thing, I I'm kind of like a amateur anthropologist. <laughs> anthropologist yeah and uh, i like to see the behavior because now you see uh, let's say for kids for example they mm-hmm. talk to uh, alexa and to uh, google and to siri like they're being humans so they say hello and thank you it's really nice that's really endearing but uh, grown-ups they know there's a robot behind it and they know they how they command their own uh, personal devices in a robot kind of way right is ordering around <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. so they order around alexa and uh and they're angry when they're not being heard and kids are really patient they say oh that's funny answer i i totally expected something else let's ask it in a different way yeah and yeah, still yeah. using like human uh, human language yeah that you now see that the common grown-up user is uh, altering their vocabulary and the way they uh, phrase things uh, towards the devices, but also towards each other. Mm. And uh, the impact that those uh, devices have on culture is very interesting, very fascinating. So I'm wondering, is Google and are, are Google and Amazon uh haphazardly also changing the way we talk to technology or talk to each other yeah right um so that's uh i i find it very interesting how this develops i'm pretty sure google will say okay we started saying we're not listening to you all the time but you know we are yeah so let's just cut out the bs and now you can just talk right away to Dao Egberts or to Albertijn or to your supermarket and your coffee brand and your coffee maker and your house mm. and to your neighborhood and to your city and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, because that's way easier, yeah. right? You want you basically want to say if if Saskia isn't there, Jeroen should be able to say, Hey Saskia, could you bring some milk and via like the ethereal internet this message will reach Saskia and or perhaps like the assistant digital assistant of Saskia and it will make sure uh, Saskia's uh, car is equipped with some milk mm. when she leaves her uh, uh, when she leaves the shop or whatever
0: yeah, yeah. and um, it a, a, a very important part here is uh, something that people talk about all the time yeah. and it's kind of the ai kind of Way of thinking and uh, actually creating an, uh, an artificial intelligence, which a lot of people will say it doesn't exist yet, right? It, it's no, yeah, n- not not uh, as far as uh, people would uh, would think that AI would be. But uh, what what's your take on it? Because I know that you uh, think about a lot a lot of things like how can it this enrich our lives, right? Yeah. And, uh, how do you think that will 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 change our lives if if it really gets to that point?
1: So. I kind of see digital as being um, uh, basically just like bricks of houses, right? They're there. They're really necessary because if you don't have bricks, you'll probably fall down if you're on the second floor uh, really hard. (laughs) So it's really useful. But we're not talking about bricks, we're talking about living, we're talking about working, we're talking about the things that we really hold dear. And I think in similar terms towards technology, uh, at a certain point, we won't talk about uh, AI or machine learning. These are tools to, a blockchain, these are just tools to uh, reach an end goal, which is basically... And and this and this is my ambition, and also what I try to program into uh, the minds of my clients is to make sure to uh, make the interaction between people a little bit easier. Make sure to, that people find each other rather than uh, diverge from each other. Right? are uh, like peak UX. We're also at peak uh, individualism. Which is really scary because everybody has their own screen. Everybody, uh, every bank is selling their my environment rather than their our environment, mm. and uh, this is really interesting because most of the people they form uh, a family, they form a group of uh, friends. They they have uh, a club where they play football or soccer if uh, wherever you are. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's and this is so fascinating. Uh, Through digital, we now have the means to talk in the the same terms as we talk in common life, right? We don't have to be a company that's separate from, um, uh, that's outside of your life, but we can basically seamlessly integrate with your life without talking in terms of services and products. We're we're probably going to talk in terms of, that's easy, I never thought of that. And all of a sudden it's there, It's just it just works. Mm. Um, and it's and so, um, and similar things go with technology. So now we're, uh, you talked about AI. I think at the moment we, AI doesn't exist. I think it's like a very strong engine to create things like pattern recognition. Yep. I find it very valuable. I use that as uh, with a couple of my interns um, the, to better understand the emotions of people. So when people are annoyed or are, are in pain, let's say in a doctor or patient scenario, that they are... Uh, that doctors are more capable in noticing the emotions of people um, uh, when they're not next to each other, right? So, for example, when they text to each other, but somebody's really frowning or has a high heart rate or uh, is using words, semantics, are using words that are really uh, painful or uh, subdued, then the doctor knows there's something else going on than just the physical ailments yeah and there's there's pain that's being experienced so that needs to be addressed first because when you don't and just fix the body then you're probably not fixing the entire problem and so i think uh, ai and pattern recognition are, is really is a really strong tool to create like a service and a product that uh, will be uh, more valuable for both parties for yeah. companies and uh, patients or, or uh, companies and clients alike
0: yeah and it's just one one thing in the chain right and that's yeah. the, that's the, what a lot of people uh, it, it's not the 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 kind of end end to everything right if you no. uh, if you just have ai by itself it's cool, but <laughs> it's not. It's not the whole chain that needs to be to be created, so you can actually have a value. Yeah, it, yeah.
1: Right? Uh, at the moment, is really it has a novelty factor, right? Mm. It's, oh wow, there's a computer that can recognize where my face is and also recognize that it's me. Yeah. And I'm happy, and I'm a little bit younger than I than I actually am. <laughs> it's really nice if a computer can do that. Yeah. Uh, but that's a novelty. So when will it be valuable for people? Uh, Well, perhaps, uh, hey, we can see you're a little bit tired. Perhaps we should change your uh, daily rhythm and make sure you're a little bit more comfortable. Uh, let's reschedule some appointments that you have because you really need to be in the zone for that appointment. Hmm. Or if we if we tend to learn from your behavior, no, no, no. When you had a cup of coffee and you talk to this person, then you're all then you're totally up for the for the for this very difficult meeting, right? So pattern recognition and making sure you're empowered and uh, happier and uh, more in the mode of wonderment and being uh, being interested in things is um, is something that AI might help with, mm. uh, but in it on itself, it's yeah, it's just a gimmick. Uh, yeah. uh, that it will only be useful when we're uh, applying it and combining it with things that um, that we already have in the world.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's a good th- point because that also brings me to another uh, kind of subject that I wanted to talk about with you as well. Is that uh, you? see that all around us and i did a podcast i think it's one or two podcasts before you Mm -hmm. uh, which was with uh, daniel van der schoor i think you know him Uh, uh, he worked at mirabeau as well but works at twinkles now which is uh, an augmented reality company as well yeah yeah um and we talked about how they kind of created an app which People can use uh, to see furniture in their living room. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they can actually project it and see how it how it would look like. Yeah. So th- that's just one application for AR, of course. But th- yeah. is it th- what, what kind of applications do you see for for in future? For example, uh, how people will interact with that kind of AR uh, uh, environment?
1: Yeah, I I I I love AR, uh, but it's uh, like talking to talking tubes, uh, talking faces. It's really awkward right you have to put on this uh, elaborate setup on your uh, over your glasses I have glasses so that's also it's <laughs> really uh, it's doubly awkward i I guess um, but how I see the, the the technology or the concept on itself it's basically giving it it's being able to give you superpowers you're you're able to see things that you can't see with your bare eyes. And uh, so, for example, we uh, we used we made a concept for KLM for their um, personnel, and they have um, this mission-critical task every time when a plane comes in to check the wings and uh, uh, fuselage to make sure uh, all the hair cracks that have been detected with with sensors mm. that those are rechecked. So are those hair cracks within the fuselage have they expanded? If so, do we need to repair it? And uh, if we did, did we, f- uh, did we succeed? and is the plane ready to go? and is it still uh, re- reusable? So what if you have like the sensorial data, right, scanning the uh, the the wing and also the visualization of that uh, sensorial data onto the real world, right you walk towards uh, a plane and from a distance you can see, ah, there are three or four spots I need to recheck because they, ha- they were points of attention last time we checked. Um, that would be amazing, right? Because mm-hmm. then you can see like Things you don't see with your eyes, and things will be way easier to check if you already uh, uh, if you' already seen something if it's up for uh, repair or something um, but this is like sensorial data, but for example you can also do things like looking uh, uh, back into time, so seeing what kind of things happened to a plane to have like a holistic view on the Basic health and durability of a product. I say now a plane, but it could be anything. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, i I like I like augmented reality, and this is just usefulness. But I also like, for example, uh, augmented audio, which is like a really small niche in there. Nowadays, we use like the uh, noise cancellation uh, n- noise canceling headphones. Well, I saw a very nice application of Bose. It was a kid's headphone and um, it had a little app and it rather than... Cancelling out voices, it changed the voices mm. uh, of people. So it it determined, hey, this is a voice, and I just ch- changed the frequency. So all of a sudden, the, the kids were walking through like a landscape of giants. Everybody was talking like this. <laughs> or with little dwarves. And it's really wonderful, yeah. right? And uh, in similar v- vein, you can use augmented audio to filter out the craft, as uh, Vasilis, uh, my lovely colleague, uh, <laughs> former colleague uh, uh, called it, uh, and emphasize the things that are really important. So it's kind of like detractive uh, augmented reality, which is a really under-highlighted uh, uh, part of augmented reality.
0: Yeah, I never heard of it actually. Yeah. Well,
1: it, it basically is said So, let's say you're in public transport on the central station and you see like the little signs or the big signs, and it says, This is the train to Utrecht via Zwolle. It has a five minute delay, blah, 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 blah. So, um, I, I went to the Hacker Train last time, which is a really nice initiative. It's basically hacking on a train towards Berlin. Uh, And uh, a couple of our clients, actually, they started uh, using augmented reality and detractive augmented reality. So basically what they did was um, when you look towards the sign with all the information, they deleted all the information and all it said was, you're in time. You have five minutes to to grab a cup of coffee before it leaves. Ah. And that's it because that's the only information you need right mm. that's the information you calculate within your brain uh, when you see Urecht viazzabolala five minute delay blah 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 you need to you're going to watch the, uh, uh, take a peek at your watch calculate the difference in time uh, I will probably manage to get a uh, grab a cup of coffee but why not calculate it already mm. And so this this detractive, uh, augmented reality i see you also see like the photos of times square where all the advertisements are removed yep right stuff like that is really interesting just reinserting focus in a world where uh, uh, no focus has to be had
0: yeah and actually providing the context that you want to have in that particular account, yeah right yeah and that's that's something that um that's Th- that's that's where the value is. I mean, the value yeah. is actually in the context and knowing. Okay, this person needs to, uh, just knowing this person needs to go there yeah. is not enough. Of course. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, as you said, it's it's uh, funny to see someone that maybe someone looks tired, as you said, uh, or maybe feels tired because you have some sensory data, your Apple Watch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and know, okay, uh, you have five minutes to get that coffee. Is actually a response to all that data that's uh, that's surrounding you at that moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And it, it's so wonderful when you can. And this is basically what we're what we're trying to do as a as a digital agency is make sure companies can better connect with people mm. and just make things a little bit more automatically, uh, <laughs> if you will. Right? is. It's, it's, I like it's, that word. <laughs> <laughs> I like that word. Yeah. It's ba- it's basically anticipating on the on the needs you might have, and just rather than asking you, is offering you. Mm. Uh, just uh, 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 cut out uh, the the anticipation and uh, and make sure people can just enjoy the thing that they're actually trying to do. Yeah. It's going from A to B. Work, go work, go play, be inspired, and to be entertained.
0: Yeah, and that's the 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 interesting part. There is that that's something I talked with uh, with Heini as well. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, your work is kind of changing, right? Because as a digital agency, you were previously just well, it's a little bit harsh to say it like that, but you were just building websites, right? Yep. Which is a communication part for a company. Yeah. And now it's getting much broader than what you were doing uh, before. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you feel is coming from the clients or is it also some kind of ambition that you already have, of course?
1: Well, it's we're trying to 'll we'll pro- so our clients are not saying this at all. No. Our clients are just really busy uh, crunching it with their business models and trying to make money and doing it at the most efficient and fun way they can imagine, which is really fine. Uh, but our mi- we also have a business model, which is to better help people uh, understand the future and uh, anticipate on that. And um, for us, it's like the web has uh, its use, but it's not the entire. Um, a palette of colors that we have to paint a picture towards consumers or to companies or whatever. Uh, there are more tools now. We have AI, we have uh, sensors, we have Internet of Things. Uh, and all these things need to talk to each other. Uh, but in fact, companies are also part of that ecosystem. Companies itself, they have like an abundance of data. And most of the time they overlap with each other. So we also think our playing field is not just a browser, is not just the database and the digital means, which basically makes sure the business models and the ways you uh, implement those business models in a digital way uh, needs to interconnect with each other. Mm. So you can create opportunities that have not been there before because, because you're really trying to make sure your own business is optimal and nowadays, it's uh, by connecting, and this is what you hey, you already pointed out. It's it's been done in Asia already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 companies see the uh, importance of interconnecting and uh, sharing data, uh, and I'll get back to that uh, by the way. Is sharing uh, sharing data to make sure they interop. Uh, That they're interoperable, Mm. right? And not because they uh, deal with each other on a daily basis, but because their clients are dealing with all of them on a daily basis. So let's say, a traveler, they deal with an airline, uh, with uh, an airport, with buses, with taxis, with uh, ride shares, with hotels, with food uh, courts, etc., etc. And all these things are part of a journey literally of uh, of a person mm. but they're not but most of the time they as a company they now see we're we're boss of a segment of that journey we try to be the boss of that mm. and everybody that's infringing on that domain is a threat and we think that it's going to be the other way around. By combining uh, like all those companies together, you can create better value and you can optimize your own products, like make it cost effective, more cost effective, but you can also make it more valuable in the, perce- in the perception of uh, the end client, so the traveler in this case. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like what you uh, what you also see with apple Uh, so apple is always seen as a big innovator as i see it is well they're probably not a technical innovator but it did bridge the gap um, to combine technology in such a unique way and such a cost-effective way that the end experience is magical it's something that really People are still wonder wondering like, how can this fit so well together? Why don't I, and when I go to another platform, how are things so awkward over here? Yeah, right. Yeah. And some people see this. Okay, we have more. I have more liberties, for example, on Android or uh, some other operating system, which is fine. But the key factor why Apple has been so, so successful is by combining the, all those kinds of technology and make it like seamless. Yeah, and I think such an opportunity is also. Um, uh, uh, we're on the brink of discovering that opportunity with companies interconnecting sensorial data, uh, data, and Internet of Things data, connecting them together, and basically empowering everybody to get more value or create more seamless experiences.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, you wanted to get back on the Asia part. Um, yeah. And what was it exactly that you wanted to get back on? Well,
1: the uh, actually it's uh, it's the data part because at the moment, um, so. Good Google and Amazon and IBM uh, before them and Philips way, way, way before them have all invested heavily into data data infrastructure. And what they do is try to make sure all the data is conveyed through their uh, pipelines and they make money with that, or at least that's what they want. And I think that's really nice but we're missing something because most of the time when people use services like that, they have the tendency to say, this is my data. When in fact it's our data, it's the data of people, right? It's data that's connected with a, uh, with an object. Uh, I, I just listened to the podcast uh, with Bob yep. and he has like the semantic uh, uh, connection. I think in similar ways of ownership of data, uh, so for example, if I have a house with all kinds of Internet of Things items uh, that might or might not uh, give me information of the basic health of uh, of the house, is it too warm, is it too cold, is there something wet, uh, do I, uh, have I been uh, uh, maintained enough? Uh, how I, how am I interact uh, interacting with the rest of the neighborhood? What's the status of the rest of the neighborhood? What's the health of the air? Stuff like that. All that information is bound to that specific house. It's owned by the house. It's basically a little backpack of data. Hmm. But at the moment, it's not. At nope. the moment, it's really fragmented and all in like little databases of all the Internet of Things kind of owners, uh, like your smart meter, your internet provider, et etc. et cetera. So what if we had like a uh, 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 ways to uh, put basically create that little backpack of the house, and because you're the owner of the house, you're also like having a lease on that data, and have like a broker, somebody that can transform that data into something wonderful, something valuable for you. So mm-hmm. let's say maintenance of your house, uh, making sure the value of your house is. Uh, uh, maintained right so this is very interesting for people that invest into your house so your bank uh, which uh, provides your mortgage but also your insurance because the insurers can now have different behavior rather than uh, having a really defensive uh, financial product uh, we we might give you money when things might go wrong or not. Yeah, and on we'll, the, we'll
0: have to check if it's actually the, the, uh, the case. Yeah, yeah,
1: we'll start negotiating when things go wrong, when yeah. you don't need things, uh, when you don't want uh, uh, people to negotiate because you are already on stress because something is leaking or whatever. Something has gone wrong and you need to pay attention already. So let's say that... The insurers just take a little bit out of that money that they now have in the financial defensive, uh, 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 like the insuring uh, 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 um, line and transfer that into care. So so basically make sure your house is all right. Make sure it's maintained well. Make sure there's, oh, there's a change in the neighborhood. Uh, There are more kids uh, in the neighborhood. Let's uh, make the park a little bit more kid-friendly. You know, this is also wider than just the object on itself. It's also because value of a house is heavily uh, um, influenced by all the objects in there and uh, including the people. Yeah. Um, So um, I'd like to think those little backpacks of data, that's a business model. It's not being fulfilled at the moment. No, no, for uh, sure not. The, the broker of services and uh, the broker of your data in name of you, right? So you basically license out your data to, uh, to um, a company that gives money in ret- or value in return, be it maintenance of your house or just plain money. Mm. Um, and also being able to say, okay, I like this data to not be at this company anymore, I like it to transfer to another company that has similar service or other service or whatever, which basically opens up the market as well. So we don't need a uh, monolith to, uh, to uh, like, uh, own the market. Everybody is equally, uh, has an equal opportunity to go into this market, be a local player, and, and make sure this neighborhood, city, country uh, is served well.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's really that's the the interesting part here. And th- there's actually two things that I was thinking about while you, while you were uh, talking about mm-hmm. this. And that one one thing would be cool is that. Uh, For example, a lot of things or the way we react or interact with uh, companies is at a reactive pace, right? So they're waiting for you to call them and say, I have a problem or whatever. And for example, I had a a leakage a a little while ago, uh, uh, which had to do with kind of the uh, it, it was on the outside at least. Yeah. and they wanted to to get that fixed and I need to, needed to call them then someone came over had to look at it and say okay we're going to do and do this and then they were like okay I don't have any things with me to <laughs> actually repair that right now so I have to come back again and yep. it would be cool if I didn't have that kind of well, it's a first-world problem. I mean, but it—it is—it is—it would be cool if you didn't have to go through that whole process of doing that, uh, uh, calling them, waiting in line yeah, <laughs> on, the, yeah, yeah. On, on, the, on the phone and stuff like that, right? So yeah. that that all that kind of sensory input that you already can place—I mean, it's not—it's not the end of the world to place that, but it would make my my life or somebody else's life a lot easier if you don't need to go through that process and just see oh it's fixed yeah. right so someone came along and uh, fixed it because they had the data right
1: yeah it's it's i see it as a displacement of attention yeah right so your attention is displaced uh, in the in the case of stress towards this stress point in, in your yeah. case uh, your leakage uh but let's let's make sure that displacement doesn't doesn't uh uh isn't done, right? It is it is not uh, taking place. Yeah. So you basically you can f- still focus on your family because no, that's everything it. is taken care of. Yeah. Or even before the leak starts. Uh, there are indicators of uh, that this might be happening in the near future, so somebody says, "Hey, we might uh, want to have uh, to pay. Uh, we m- we might do some maintenance on your house. Is that okay?" Yeah, the humidity and is just, going and up. you just or- say yes. Yeah. So this is a positive experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a big uh, opportunity, specifically for insurers, because they're basically. Uh, brokers of negative uh, negativity at this moment, right? Something negative is uh, being done, and their message is most of the time not really, really optimistic. Uh, so, I mean, some insurers really do their best to have like a vast network of helpers that help you out whenever you're in need, in uh, in your time of need. But some of the insurers also say, no, we're just a bucket of money that uh, empties every month. And yeah. uh, uh, and you might uh, have uh, some part of that when things go wrong in the on exactly the right circumstances. Yeah, and I'd rather be I'd I'd rather them being a a, a caring uh, company. Yeah, because then you can, you're structurally have a good and positive relationship with your clients. Uh, you can make sure things. Are just easier and nicer uh, for yourself. And it's also sustainable. And this is kind of like what I also, this is a key word that I like to use when I'm talking to my clients. I like to create su- a sustainable, valuable relationship. So something that's not per se paid in attention. So you, might as well not talk to each other at all, but as long as you experience like the value that's going uh, to and from from both sides, so also from the company, you shouldn't feel like the client is burden, because then you probably need to recheck the, your
0: business model. This is not yeah, okay. For that, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So,
1: so I, th- I think. Uh, if you if you have a sustainable and valuable relationship with each other, so you're perfectly aligned, and perhaps even aligned that you both experience some value uh, coming f- to and fro, then it's then you're having like a healthy business model, and then you can expand your attention towards new opportunities as well.
0: Yeah, and the, the, uh, the other way I wanted to go uh, with this as well is that as you were talking about the data part, uh, I was thinking about uh, technologies like blockchain, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could play a good role in that as well to get, get that, uh, that data transparent as well and also yeah. decentralized and not uh, in one point of truth. Or it actually is a point of truth, but it's yeah. not all in one place, right? And not owned by some... Yeah exactly. Whatever.
1: Yeah at the moment the ownership of data is basically coupled with the uh, uh with the base investment of the infrastructure right? Yeah. And I th- I tend to think well at a certain moment just like uh, electronic uh, like the electricity electricity network we have and water network uh, uh I I said it uh, just now is like uh, we have basically have uh, cable network electricity water and twitter right <laughs> and and yes. so, such services uh, so i i think in uh, in similar terms uh, like that um so people will just think uh, things are Uh, part of the network and similarly data transferal is just being done by a company that extracts value from both sides of uh, the end of the tube if you will right because the internet is a series of of tubes everybody knows that yep
0: (laughs) (laughs) i hope everybody knows
1: (laughs) but I, i would say so if for example a value broker uh, is looking for data that's to be brokered towards uh, service providers like painters and uh, uh, cities that want to optimize the value of their neighborhoods and stuff like that. Um, then the transfer of data isn't a a thing of ownership. It's basically is making sure it's accessible. And this is a way different game. Mm. It's also because you as a person might not think about your data must be accessible uh, on a personal level because you're really protective about it and it's yours. And similarly, all the owners of the transfer of data are also thinking, no, this is going through my pipes, so it's mine. I need to protect it.
0: Because I'm paying for it as well. Because
1: I'm paying for it. Yeah and um i think the the business model of those transfer companies are a little bit awkward at the moment because they're basically being paid to infringe on their own business model they cannot go anywhere with the data unless they combine it with valuable other insights mm. because only then it will be uh, you you'll be able to see the entire picture of let's say the house that we were talking about yeah. right if you're just listening to the energy meter then you might know the energy uh, uh, consumption goes up, but you don't know why. But if you know that uh, the heater is coming on uh, more frequency because you uh, know that the Wi-Fi enabled double glazing is leaking, then you know why. And then you also know what kind of services you can uh, provide in return. Mm, So I really believe in opening up the data market and making sure brokers are there for you as a consumer to extract value without selling away your identity. Yeah. It's very important to make sure companies see the uh, the part they need to extract value and return it to you to get like a, a bartering deal, if you will, uh, without. You being in control as a person, but also uh, introducing all kinds of like technological difficulty, right? You don't want to do bookkeeping on your own uh, data. Nope. <laughs> you want things to be like a little bit automatic, if you will. Yeah. Uh, on that level as well
0: yeah and and it reminds me of a a podcast i did a while ago with qb as well Mm. which they were also uh, looking at these kind of things right so seeing for example that you're having a higher energy consumption because maybe this and this uh, product is uh, maybe your washing machine or whatever is getting into uh, um, a kind of State of disrepair, if you can yeah. you can call it like that, but that, that's that's also based on some kind of data, right? So they mm-hmm. have that data. They know, okay, we can act on it, and we can see that this is a specific energy signature. So it's this and this, for example. Yeah, and that 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 uh, that is totally the same thing. That uh, what it it kind of makes that whole backpack backpack of data, as you call it. Yeah, uh, it makes that possible in that sense. So. Uh, there is one more uh, subject that I wanted to discuss with you as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, totally different than maybe not totally different, but it's different than technology, and it's actually podcasting because yes, um, that's one of your uh, passions as well. I know uh, definitely at least, at least listening to podcasts. But uh, you yeah. had your own kind of series of uh, uh, of, of things. Do you you can explain that to me yeah. how that came along.
1: I, I so I'm an audiophile. Um, and uh, for for me the the podcasting the producing podcasts started out somewhere in 2007 i think uh, adam curry just released his uh, daily source code which is really uh, basically an experiment for him to um, uh, promote podcasting and just see uh, if the rss feed which is the basis of uh, the publication of podcasts yep. uh, is uh, if that's working and um I noticed all kinds of like great initiatives so people uh, interested in knitting and talking about their knitting experiences (laughs) and uh, people talking about all kinds of fringe topics like from gaming towards uh, storytelling storytelling homemaking all kinds of very interesting things only there was one big problem all of them were using like these really awkward Logitech uh, straw like microphones and they sounded horrible and they were all in play they were all recording in places with lots of echo and stuff like that and i i thought but wait a second we have radio radio does this like for ages already can't we apply the technology of radio in podcasting so i started buying like really cheap but kind of like semi-professional microphones and audio interfaces and uh, started experimenting myself and i found out that for relatively uh, small amount of money, you can get like a professional sound as we have at yep. this moment, yep. uh, which is really nice. So that's really fulfilled my um, audio file uh, needs. And at a certain point, this became so easy that I basically podcast about anything. Uh, well, to tell the truth, I postca- uh, podcasted about nothing. <laughs> I was just, this is my new microphone. I really like the sound of it, etc. Um so at a certain point I was uh, talking to my uh, then colleague now uh, teacher at uh, the University of Applied Sciences in Amsterdam Vasilis Vergert. Uh, we were having fascinating conversations or at least we thought so. And we <laughs> you thought, thought we, you were interesting. Yeah yeah yeah. Well did <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit of a megalomaniac, I guess, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, but we thought uh, we were having interesting conversations between ourselves uh, and probably also that we needed to make it more regular. So we started, so Vazita said, well, I have this ugly ass Mercedes and uh, it's really dirty, so let's bring it to the car wash and uh, uh, talk along the way because he found it very awkward to talk right straight uh, on a bench or talking to each other face to face. I said, well, that sounds uh, very nice. And, uh, but I also think this might be interesting for other people. So let's record it. And he said, well, it's really, I'm not sure if we should do this because there's all kinds of hassle. I said, don't worry about it. It's all on me. I'll, I'll take care of it. <laughs> so I scrunched up like all my audio devices and bought like a really expensive uh, lavalier microphones and, uh, and some cameras. And we started recording the wasstraat, which is the car wash in Dutch. And you can uh, by the way if you want to see how I look like with 20 more kilos <laughs> go to vastra.at yeah and uh, uh and you'll see
0: i'll link it down below yeah. because it's really fa- it, it's in dutch but uh yeah it, it's it's really an interesting series to me because it was that early on right i mean it yeah. was uh, i think it's in the period of maybe 2010 or something like that yeah yeah yeah. Something around like. that time yeah. yeah
1: uh it was a period of five years and we made uh 42 episodes exactly so we start we stopped with uh the meaning of life the universe and everything <laughs> um and um it's kind of it's not intentional uh, intentional but uh, it was kind of happened that way uh, well, we talked and analyzed all kinds of uh, things happening in our work, uh, mostly having to do with uh, our common interest in uh, how the web works, how information works, how media works, and how company tend to talk to us as uh, as a digital agency and what kind of things we sh- we think should happen. Um, so that was uh, really interesting, and was also interesting when uh, Vasili started talking to students at uh, the University of Applied Sciences, because all of all of a sudden we had like a new audience. We thought we could influence like these new students into thinking a certain way. Yeah, and that's kind of like where I where I got the most value, because now I meet. All those students, these are now my new colleagues, and they talk to me. It's like, yeah, we. I, I listened to this uh, or I looked at this podcast because it was a video podcast. So you could see you sitting in the Mercedes. And... Um, and it was really nice, and uh, I have fond memories of that. And I said, "Yeah, I'm the other dude," <laughs> 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 because they knew Vasilis because they were the, uh, their teacher. Of course, yeah. Uh, so and I said, "Oh, it so, so they're really enthusiastic about it." And you see, like the mindset that we brought into that, um, uh, into that um, uh, podcast or video production. Uh, of wonderment, but also being critical and being uh, this, uh, don't believe in the status quo, but try to push the envelope and make sure not just your craft increases, but also uh, the rest of the world becomes a little bit more happy. Yeah, and using your own happiness to to uh, as a gauge to make sure that actually happens. Uh, and it kind of and it happens uh, and i get that back from my new colleagues and i hope it also happens with others yeah and it probably will also happen with uh, with uh, with your audience i hope
0: yeah it does it does it uh, it's interesting to me because i always say that it kind of started as a kind of experiment or a joke or however you want to call it but sure. uh it it kind of started like okay i just want to talk to people and i and know some people in my network and also not people. Some people I uh, talk to are people that I see for the first time <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And, uh, th- that um, that's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because then you you try to get. I'm learning the same way someone is listening to the podcast, right? Yeah. So they maybe never heard of this company at all, uh, but they are kind of on the journey together right and that's that's i think the fun of the of of doing this kind of thing
1: yeah we're both finding out i mean i i've i've now expressed things that i haven't expressed outside of our company yeah but i i i do believe in sharing uh i don't believe in the ownership of ids no uh i think when you start sharing ids Uh, one of us will probably make and implement like a little part or perhaps even the the entire part of some of the ideas I've uh, uh, put in this, uh, this little podcast. Yeah. And uh, I mean, little as this episode. Not <laughs> your production. Or no, 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 really
0: no, positive. no. I, but it is true. It is yeah. true. Maybe, it, and that's also one of the, the key points why I started this. It's not because of a monetary reason or whatever. I yeah, mean, my I my don't my. make money of it, but it, it's more like, okay, maybe I can inspire someone to make a change or to yeah. do something differently. To make
1: our le- world a little bit better. Yeah, and yeah. that's
0: that's what it was all about. And that's, I think... Maybe it wasn't intentional with what you did with the Vostraat, for example, mm. but it uh it could have been a kind of a byproduct of what you were doing. And as yeah. as you say, it, it is impacting some people.
1: Yeah, well this outcome has really inspired me. So so I, I have been uh tutoring and coaching uh interns at uh, at uh, Mirabeau. Uh and I found out that's it's, that it's such such a nice way to to make sure the future is a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Uh, nope.
1: And on a person to person level, I mean, sometimes it's, it's hard. You need to uh, confront people with the truths of the world. Uh, but most of the time, it's, it's me learning. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's I that, that, that can see that the beginner's mind that most young people have is so wonderful. And, and it reaffirms my, uh, my approach towards clients as well. Because this this beginner's mind, just just not taking the status quo quo as being true, yeah, and just start wondering about how the future might be more interesting or more entertaining or just more comfortable. Yeah, um, that that's that's something I aspire for everybody, right? Yeah,
0: and it's as you said, the beginner's mind. Uh, the people are. Uh, what I've noticed is that people are. Uh, I, I was the same, I mean, uh, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I was also hungry for, uh, and saying like, okay, uh, you're saying that this works this way because it always has worked this way, right? Yeah. And that's uh, not the way you're going to move forward, right? Because you want to no. look at it differently, like, okay, why the hell does it work like, like this and not like this, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Why not try this?
1: Yeah, and perhaps there's something else that also works nice. Yeah. You know, this, this, don't, don't, uh, don't stop discovering when you found something. Yeah, <laughs> just continue discovering. Yeah, and make sure that the things that you found that are valuable, that you develop them, of course, and make sure it happens. And that's kind of like the way I also approach, the way I do business with our clients. Most of the time, I'm not very long in their uh, uh, in their view. Uh, I try. I, I just try to make. Uh, the company have like a new insight and yeah. act upon that uh, yeah. through making new digital uh, products and services, and then make sure they're the owner of it, right? Yeah. And and make sure their view is has changed like a little bit, and then I can leave because then they need to take ownership of it and and develop it as they see fit. Yeah. Um, and then I can move on to the other uh, to the next client and make sure they are kind of like uh moved a little bit in a positive way.
0: Cool. Yeah. And uh, there's one more question I want to ask yes. to wrap up. Yes. You know what's coming. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what are you most proud of? Um
1: so this is this is kind of um wonderful. So I have this um um Stichting, uh, it's a, foundation, ens- a or- foundation or NGO. Yeah. And it's called Lekker Samenkloj. It's, uh, it's tra- roughly translated to tinkering together. And it's uh, steered towards promoting maker education, the beginner's mindset towards tooling and making things, um, towards children and families. So we're basically making kids tinker around with tools. So mommy and daddy are also more prone to Thinking together, but also learning all those tools because most of the people don't have tools anymore at home because things are to be thrown away when they break down rather than to be repaired. So we're trying to change the world a little bit in that uh, manner. So my uh, lovely co-founder Astrid, uh, she uh, wrote a book and uh, my nephew got that book. And uh, he's uh, going to uh, give a book presentation at school. And he asked me the question Hey, Oma Peter, did you also write something in this book? And I said, Yes, I, I wrote a little, I contributed about a part about uh, pocket knives. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud. And he says, now I can take your photo into my book presentation and I can point That's to cool. you. And that really that really hit my heart, right? Yeah, it of course. was so nice. that something I did somewhere in the past that it comes back to me and in some fascinating new form. Mm. That's what I aspire to, just to that I can see little things and little things changing and attitudes changing and just new products and services appearing because I, like years ago, months ago, did a little thing somewhere. And <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's yeah. my payoff. That's the only thing I need.
0: Very cool. I think that's a great way to end it. <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask is, of course, how can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter.
1: At okay. Paid Snakers. Yes. And you can also go to my website, paidsnakers.nl. Okay. And cool. uh,
0: yeah that's it. And of course, Mirbo can be found on uh, mirbo.com. I think mirbo.com,
1: com, mirbo.nl, if you want to speak Dutch. Yeah. And uh, it's a wonderful company. Please join us.
0: (laughs) And uh, of course, uh, for the listeners, uh, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on uh, bitsvsbytes.com and also on all major podcasting platforms and uh, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. It's all bitsvsbytes. And I would like to thank you for listening and until next time.